Sometimes hearing about fraud and white-collar crime is really depressing. It always seems like countries are getting worse, there's more corruption, there's more white-collar crime. It's impossible to get anything done other than bribery. But that's not always true. In 2003, the country of Georgia was rated one of the most corrupt countries in the world. Now it's one of the least. Let's look at it. Good afternoon. I'd like to welcome everyone to the White Collar Crime and Fraud podcast. As always, I'm your host, Gene Tausk. Hope everybody had a good couple of weeks. And as you recall, the last two podcasts have been on regarding two countries. First, Iceland, a country which was still is regarded as one of the uh, safest areas in which to do business in the world. A very um, well, Transparency International, the lower the score, the better your country's uh, transparency or lack of corruption. So very low score for Iceland, very high score for Nigeria, making it a very, let's just say, untrustworthy place, un- um, a possibly unhealthy place in which to do business because of all the corruption. However, as we pointed out in those last two podcasts, everything is not always as it seems. And a country like Iceland, which enjoys its well-deserved reputation, is a good place to do business is not immune from fraud and corruption, as we saw. In Nigeria, a country which has, unfortunately, problems involving its uh, corruption, is making efforts to try and reform itself. Will those efforts be successful? Well, of course, that's anybody's guess. But the Nigerians are at least uh, putting in place, um, uh, you might say, markers to try and stop corruption or interrupt corruption. And that's always, of course, to be applauded. Well, today we're going to take a we're going to look at another nation, and this will be the last podcast, at least for a while, on just examining nations. But we're going to look at a nation which has been successful in combating corruption, so much so that a few, well, many years ago, I should say, back about twenty years ago, the country was considered um, a very dangerous place for corruption and a very poor place to do business, and now has moved up very, moved down in the rankings, I should say, in Transparency International, which is now making a very, if not safe place, a much safer place in which to do business. And we'll talk about this and the lessons to be learned later on in the podcast. But the country I'm talking about is Georgia. And no, for my American listeners, that's Georgia the country, not Georgia the state. Uh, Georgia is a really interesting country. It used to be a part of the Soviet Union. It's... um, a country and part of the Caucasus region of the um, well, Soviet Union, Russian Empire, what have you, but the Caucasus regions of the world. It's in the southern part below Russia. It's bordered um, 
it's uh, the country itself is a very mountainous area. The language they speak, Georgian, is unrelated to any other language. It's not related to the Indo-European family. It's its own um, category of languages called Caucasian languages. And I've been there once. Georgia is a really amazing place. The people are incredibly friendly. Uh, during the time of the Soviet Union, Georgia was known as the breadbasket of the Soviet Union because it's such a fertile soil. They grow a lot of grapes, really, really excellent wines. A lot of carbonated waters come from Georgia. And um, really, really good food. In my opinion, Georgian cuisine is the one of the last undiscovered wonders of the world. If you ever have a chance to try real Georgian cuisine, don't miss out on it. It's absolutely fantastic. And for my, any listeners from Georgia out there, I love hachipori. That's like my favorite dish in the world. I try to make it. I've failed miserably every time. So whenever I get a chance to have real hachipori, I do. So on to business. Um, Georgia, as I said, used to be a part of the former Soviet Union. Before that, it was part of the Russian Empire. It uh, enjoyed a very enjoyed a flourishing state during the Middle Ages. It was actually a pretty powerful kingdom during the Middle Ages. And the Georgians themselves have a long and distinguished history. As I said, their language, Georgian, is part of the Caucasian family of languages. Um, they have a very interesting medieval epic called the Night and Tiger Skin. Uh, from what I understand, it's pretty much required reading if you're a Georgian. But um, in 1991, as the Soviet Union fell apart, Georgia became an independent nation. And by the way, the Georgians call their language something else other than Georgia. We get the name Georgia from St. George. I'm not going to butcher the pronunciation of the language in native Georgian, but for the rest of the world, we call it Georgia in Russian. It's called Gruzia. But um, when uh, the Soviet Union fell apart and Georgia, Georgia became an independent country, unfortunately, it carried with it a lot of, of the, let's just say, the poor ways of doing business of the former Soviet Union, and that included a lot of corruption. As far back as 2003, um, according to the World Bank, corruption was pretty much in every part of Georgian life. And bribery was the only way to get anything done in the country. And it um, really, it hampered growth in the country, like all corruption does. And it made it so really impossible to do any kind of business. Georgia also had a very uh, powerful um, mafia organizations, um, which unfortunately controlled uh, parts of the country as well. And let's just say, as I said, uh, Georgia was a very poor place to do business. It's arguable whether how much of that was part of it being the former Soviet Union. It's arguable how much of that was in Georgian culture, what have you. But um, up until 2003, Georgia, as I said, had these problems and was widely known to have these problems to do business. And fast forward to 2012, the same World Bank, where in 2003, was calling Georgia having one of the most corrupt, a very corrupt society. In January of 2012, the Georgia, the World Bank itself called Georgia a unique success in the world of fighting corruption. Um, the president of the World Bank stated that Georgia's experience has shown that the vicious cycle of endemic corruption can be broken with appropriate and decisive reforms and can be turned into a virtuous cycle. Uh, the World Bank also said that Georgia is also the only post-Soviet state in the past decade to have made a breakthrough in addressing corruption. And actually, that was attributed to Foreign Policy magazine. Now, uh, other parts of the former Soviet Union have dealt with are very um, non-corrupt states, are very safe places for doing business. These include uh, Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania, the Baltic states and uh, the far to the far west of Russia. But it can be argued that these three states, which were incorporated into the Soviet Union in 1940, um, had very strong Western influences, and this included anti-corruption efforts. But Georgia, as I said, is located far to the interior 
of the former Soviet Union, far to the south. And it really had, unlike Latvia, Estonia, and Lithuania, which sort of broke from the Soviet Union with this uh, very powerful anti-corruption efforts to begin with, Georgia had a very corrupt um, society when it broke from the former Soviet Union. And as I said, as recently as 2003, the World Bank considered Georgia a very poor place to do business. But then beginning in 2003, the Georgians turned this around. How did this happen? Well, there's a number of factors which we're going to talk about. First of all, in 2003, there was the Rose Revolution, which ousted the former president, well, the president at that time, Shevardnadze. And once again, I have to apologize. I don't speak Georgian. I'm probably butchering their names. I apologize for that. And um, President Mikhail Saakashvili won 96% of the vote in the 2004 elections. And by any standard, that's an incredible victory. And Saakashvili immediately began to make reforms in the Soviet, in the Georgian, in the Georgian business and economic climate. This included firing the entire Ministry of Education staff. Can you imagine that? Just firing the entire Ministry of Education. And um, they also arrested senior government officials on corruption charges. And many of these trials were broadcast, so people could really see that the Georgian government now had a zero tolerance for corruption. And this was beginning in 2004. And really, the turnover is remarkable from 2003 to 2004, where in 2004, uh, there was a poll conducted in Georgia where 60% of the respondents expected corruption levels to actually decrease. And that's a really remarkable turn of events. Um, President Saakashvili also made other very strong reforms to the Georgian uh, bureaucracy, economic and political um, areas over the country. For example, um, the police department in Georgia was considered incredibly corrupt, especially the traffic cops. Now, let me just go to a side note here. Um, from the former Soviet Union, uh, the traffic cops, um, Gai in Russian, were actually wield a lot of power. It's hard to believe, but even the KGB, the vaunted KGB, was afraid of the traffic cops. They were very much notorious for taking bribes and demanding bribes to get anything done. And unfortunately, this um, spilled over into many countries when the Soviet Union collapsed, and this included Georgia. Well, one of the most amazing efforts that President Saakashvili did beginning in 2004 was he fired 16,000 traffic police. If you can imagine that, he just got rid of them all. The reason being, as President Saakashvili realized and recognized, was that the traffic police were incredibly corrupt. And there's very little that can be done to reform the organization, so we just fired everybody. Now, this goes on to another subject, of course, where we can possibly address this in a future podcast, but is this an overuse of power? Well, perhaps, perhaps not. But one thing is very clear. These efforts were incredibly successful. And once the traffic police was reformed, or the new recruits were brought in who were expected and taught that bribery was completely unacceptable and would not be tolerated, Bribery among the traffic cops, the Georgian traffic cops, went down very, very significantly. And it's, uh, once again, another amazing achievement. Um, also, um, before 2003, virtually every, any government transaction required some amount of bribe for processing. Nearly all bureaucrats and all government officials um, abused their position for personal gain. And when you, uh, the statistics are, of course, debatable, but it's estimated that at least 80%, if not more, of any transaction that required government involvement involved a bribe. You couldn't get anything done in Georgia prior to 2003 without bribing government officials. And that, of course, is the most 
obvious form of corruption when a government official demands a bribe to get anything done. Well, in 2003, I'm sorry, 2013, by comparison, when that same survey was done, it was estimated that less than 4% of government officials were involved in bribery. So from a staggering, at least 80% of government officials involved in bribery before 2003, 10 years later in 2013, that result had fallen to under, that number of government officials involved in bribery was under 4%. It's, uh, it's really remarkable. Uh, one of the highlights, uh, and once again, this was done by the government instituting a zero tolerance policy for any sort of bribery or corruption, and also um, demanding placing on trial and prosecuting and placing on trial those individuals who were um, attempting to bribe individuals or bribing individuals. For example, in 2011, uh, there are two businessmen from Israel, Ron Fuchs and Ze'ev Frankel, who were actually tried and imprisoned for actually um, offering to bribe the prime minister. And um, the it's, once again, um, we're in a country where bribery was considered normal before 2003, suddenly that had all but disappeared. Um, the Georgian judiciary was considered not to be independent before 2003, but after 2003, after the reforms instigated by President Saakashvili, suddenly these reforms were present and the judiciary became independent. And um, according to a lot of, um, well, it's hard to say the word a lot, but certainly with um, some review of the Georgian judiciary from outside sources, it is considered that, that corruption is not a major factor in the Georgian judiciary. It is independent. Um, so it, um, it really, there is, there are some issues there at, and still involving um, possible corruption with the Georgian judiciary. But once again, that number has fallen, that number has decreased quite a bit. Um, one of the big issues that Georgia faced prior to the 2003 um, change of government was that the education system of Georgia was considered extremely corrupt. That is to say that um, educators, especially in higher, educa higher education, demanded bribes for students to pass or to get good grades. And the, um, from what I understand, the primary um, higher level, the primary institute of higher education in Georgia is Tbilisi State University. Tbilisi is the capital of Georgia. Beautiful, beautiful city, by the way. Um, but it was estimated that for a student to be accepted to Tbilisi, to Tbilisi State University, which is, I guess, their equivalent of what we might call Harvard or MIT, it required at least a $30,000 bribe, $30, bribe. And this is all... Um, apparently all but disappeared. Students are now admitted on the basis of their test scores, their grades, and they're admitted based on what we would consider a, a meritocracy, which is, of course, the way it should be. Um, students who have graduated from institutes of higher education in Georgia have stated that, um, recently, I should say, in the last, last 10 years, have stated that they've graduated based on the their merits based on their grades, based on their work, and not because of bribes, which is once again the way higher education should be. So um, it's once again a really amazing turnaround for the country of Georgia. One of the most obvious areas of corruption, of course, is in the business world. Uh, we've already stated that, um, we've already shown that the um, before prior to 2003 to get anything done in Georgia required a bribe. It was kind of expected, it was necessary. And of course, that is all but disappeared. Um, the Business Anti-Corruption Portal, which is a, a portal which tracks corruption in various nations, 
has stated that corruption constitutes a low risk for companies to do business in Georgia and that it's actually easier to start a, a um, an office in Georgia and to start a business in Georgia than in just about any other nation, which of course is pretty remarkable. It's uh, the business environment in Georgia has been in, stated that uh, business anti-corruption portal has stated that um, the business environment in Georgia has been greatly improved in recent years owing to the introduction of compar comparatively low income taxes and more liberal regulation. And um, we had talked about judicial independence earlier, that there is still a question of some judi of judicial independence. The judiciary is, although it's supposed to be independent and has improved greatly since 2003, there's still issues of that. And this is reflected also in the business anti-corruption portal, which states that there are questions if, if, as to whether the Georgian judiciary is indeed independent. So what's interesting there is that even though Georgia has made a great deal of improvements in um, fighting corruption, uh, the judiciary, which is a necessary part of any successful nation, you have to have an independent judiciary, is still viewed with some issues there. Although, once again, the judiciary has made a great number of deals of improvements since 2003. And um, the, for, the, for Georgia to be rated this highly, um, the, in, from um, the business anti-corruption uh, portal, is really a great achievement in Georgia. Now, of course, well, before we go on, just a few other things I'd like to mention, which is important for Georgia itself. Um, in uh, 2011, um, Transparency International, as I talked about in previous podcasts, Transparency International um, is the organization, uh, one of the highest ranked organizations responsible for tracking corruption and corruption indices across the world, um, has given Georgia high marks um, in uh fighting in fighting corruption um and once again states its improvement since 2003 it should be noted by the way that the most recent ranking of transparency international regarding georgia is uh um, a very positive 41 out of 180 that is to say currently the corruption perceptions index in georgia is 41 out of 180 which is still of course not good in the sense that it's certainly not in the um, top 10 but considering where Georgia was in 2003, I don't think it's an understatement to state that Georgia has made um, these incredible advances in their anti-corruption efforts, which have paid off very well. Uh, Georgian GDP is rising. Uh, the standard of living for Georgians is getting better and has gotten better since 2003. Um, Georgia itself um, has also found itself sort of indirectly benefiting from the war in Ukraine and that many educated Russians have left Russia and have emigrated or in the process of emigrating to Georgia because, um, first of all, they don't want to fight in Ukraine, which is understandable, but also Georgia is considered a much safer place to do business and a much safer place to earn a living, certainly much safer than Russia. So once again, we have an issue area, we have a focus here on a country which in the past 20 years, from 2003 to until 2023, has undergone a remarkable change. It's gone from being um, a country which was very, very poorly ranked in corruption to now being very, well, I don't want to say highly ranked, but certainly I'm getting a much better score in its anti-corruption efforts. As I said, 41 out of 180 out of the 180 nations that are evaluated by Transparency International Georgia is number 41, with number one being the best and number 180, of course, being the worst. There are still some issues, though, with Georgia. Um, it's still showing that it still has some way to go. Uh, Georgia, of course, is no paradise. A good example is um, 
the timber industry. Georgia is a very heavily forested country, and there is still considered to be a great deal of corruption in the timber industry. Um, as of the, because of this, the rate of deforestation is very high. Um, timber is a very well is a natural resource, high in demand, and of course, because of this, it, corruption plays a role there as well. And what people always try to skirt environmental laws to um, take as much timber as they possibly can. We've already talked about the judiciary, how although the judiciary has made progress in being an independent judiciary um, and some corruption indices, it is still considered a problem for Georgia. Um, the uh, Also as well, um, the um, some issues with Georgia that still remain is that it's still there's still hints, you might say, or there's still indications that to get major projects done, bribery is still necessary. And um, there's selective enforcement sometimes of Georgian economic laws. Uh, it's also believed that some firms have been awarded government contracts in return for campaign contributions to incumbent parties and have been such uh, companies have been, how shall we say, discouraged com from contributing to opposition parties. And as a result, the ruling um, parties campaign coffers sometimes are about 20% higher, or I should say 20 times larger than opposing parties, which of course allows much more advertising on TV, radio, internet, and other types of media. Um, there are Transparency International still does, uh, still has, um, has noticed three problem issues or identified three problematic issues for Georgia. First of all, is the preferential um, treatment and contract awarding, which we've already discussed. The second is lack of transparency in the wave of privatization. That is to say, during the Soviet Union, everything was owned by the government. Private property of industry was forbidden. And as the Soviet Union fell apart, private industry was transferred. Certainly in Russia, a lot of that private industry was transferred, how shall we say, by under the table means. And a lot of that, unfortunately, um, buckled over and spread over into Georgia. So there's still some question as to how privatization occurred and who exactly benefited from this. And another issue is a shadow economy. A shadow economy, sometimes known as a dark economy, is occurs when it becomes so difficult to do business above board. For example, the taxes are just so high or the tax system is just so onerous or the tax laws, nobody understands the tax laws or, or bribery is just so rampant that sometimes it's just easier to do things under the table. That is to say, if you're going to buy oil, for example, instead of going to um, the state dealer, which you may have to do, you may decide to go to a private dealer, pay hush money so nobody finds out about it, and simply buy oil from that private dealer. And that is a problem with Georgia. So uh, the issues then being three issues that have been identified by Transparency International are the shadow economy, preferential treatment and contract awarding, and a lack of transparency regarding privatization. And um, as recently as 2013, and even today, it is, um, it is stated that bribery is still a factor in doing business in Georgia. That is to say that there are some areas of, in Georgia where bribery is sort of mandatory still, and we mentioned the forest industry is one of them. So once again, although Georgia has made very important gains in the fight against corruption and the fight against um, money leaving the country and the fight against crime, it does have some ways to go. But I think we can safely say that Georgia is a unique success story. Certainly, I can't think of a country who in a very short amount of time, which in a very short amount of time has managed to create such a radically new environment for doing business. And 
I can remember as the Soviet Union fell apart, Georgia was considered a very corrupt country at that time. And unfortunately, we all thought it would stay that way for a while, if not forever. But as I said, from 1991 to 2003, Georgia did indeed have those problems. Then beginning in 2003 with the reforms of uh, President Saakashvili, uh, the country turned itself around. And now, <clears throat> as we speak, 20 years on from 2003 and the year 2023, we now see where uh, Georgia has ranked, has improved its image a great deal, a great deal. Once again, it doesn't mean it's perfect, but Georgia has shown itself to be a country that can turn itself around. Well, what are the factors in this? Why was Georgia able to do this? Why was Georgia able to make these kind of reforms that transform the country so in such a in such a um, far-sighted manner to make it really a good place to do business? Uh, certainly, in a twenty-year period of time, many other countries have not only changed their position when it comes to uh, crime and white to corruption and white-collar crime. Some of them have gotten quite worse. So, what makes Georgia so special? You might ask. Why why did Georgia, why was Georgia able to do this? There really isn't. I don't know if there's really any reason per se, but certainly one of the most important reasons that we have to examine and certainly even take a cursory glance at is the will of the Georgian government. Um, I don't know much about President Saakashvili, certainly is well regarded here in America, but I think it's safe to say that President Saakashvili, when he stepped into the country's leadership, had realized he had a mandate from the Georgian population to do something about corruption, and he took that mandate very seriously. He did something with it. He affected the laws that were necessary, and he went forward to affecting the laws that were necessary to um, reform the government and make the necessary steps to make sure that government that corruption was was uh, viewed in a different light. Unfortunately, in many countries where corruption tends to be sort of a fact of life, many people get jaded or many people get cynical about it and just state, well, this is the way it is, this is the way it has been, this is the way it always be, so you might as well just live with it. Uh, living in Russia for a period of time, I, I noticed that, unfortunately, that it, that uh, sort of malay had infected, infected various segments of Russian society and the Russian many Russians themselves. It's very hard to get rid of that kind of malay, but certainly President Saakashvili was able to do that and able to institute in Georgians a notice that he would no longer, that the government would no longer accept corruption as part of um, as part of doing business. Second, of course, was the major steps that Saakashvili took to purge the government of corrupt elements. We mentioned the traffic cops, for example. The Georgian traffic cops were incredibly corrupt, and that was well known all over the country. And so President Saakashvili simply got rid of them and replaced them with other, with a new class of um, police officers who were not corrupt and were, would not allow corruption. Now, is that a harsh or can we say even dictatorial measure? Sure. Uh, it certainly is something which I'm not familiar with the Georgian system of government, I'm not familiar with the Georgian constitution. I don't know if it was legal or extra legal, but this is a case where the the executive branch of the Georgian government took the correct steps, or if not the correct steps, at least the necessary steps to fight the corruption. Also firing the Ministry of Education, which, as I said, prior to 2003, the institutions of higher education were considered as completely corrupt, where if you wanted to get anything done or if you wanted to get admitted even to good universities, you had to pay bribes. And that, of course, is no way to run an education system. So President Saakashvili took those steps to break in and stop the cycle of corruption. And in this case, he was very successful. 
Uh, I think other factors that can be um, examined as well, which are very important. Uh, Georgia, although it is far away from European countries, has tried to uh, re well reinvent it's a too perhaps too strong a word, but has tried to place itself in um, the European sphere of influence. It wants to become a part of Europe, although it is not geographically attached to Europe. And as such, um, Georgians had realized, or perhaps the Georgian population itself realized, they had to make an effort to fight the corruption that everybody knew existed in Georgia at the time. If they wanted to become a part of Europe, uh, European, um, the Europe itself, even if not geographically, then certainly part economically and culturally, this would require major advances in the fight against corruption. Also, uh, one of the reasons Georgia had wanted to join um, many European organizations was that Georgia has felt threatened by Russia since its independence. Uh, unfortunately, that those threats have materialized. Russia fought a war with Georgia in 2014 and took part of its land. It's also um, recognized two breakaway regions from Georgia. To the best of my knowledge, there's only, these breakaway regions are only recognized by Russia and maybe a handful of other nations. Georgia itself does not recognize these breakaway regions. So Georgia realized if it wanted to um, stay independent and stay away from uh, influences it didn't want, it would have to become a player in the fight against corruption so that other countries would take it seriously. So perhaps Georgians had these um, internal influences as well, internal expectations that this is the only way to get ahead. So whatever the reasons, however, I think we can uh, safely say that um, Georgia is an example of how this can be done, how corruption can be fought, how um, corruption can be changed, corruption indices can be changed, how people can suddenly realize they don't have to put up with corruption anymore. And so I think it's a very valuable lesson for other countries in the world as to how to move forward in fighting corruption. So I guess this three-part series has ended on a happy note where we can see where Georgia is certainly a country to examine and uh, perhaps follow and take it and take examples from as to how to fight corruption, because certainly it can be done. And Georgia is living proof of that. So once again, I hope everybody enjoyed this podcast. I uh, hope you enjoyed the last two weeks and uh, we'll see you then in two weeks with another episode. Take care. Oh, and of course, as been our policy for the past two episodes, we are now ending. The end music will be the Georgian national anthem. Yeah.